When you need mealtime inspiration, it's worth shopping Kroger, where you'll find over 30,000 mouth-watering choices that excite your inner foodie. And no matter what tasty choice you make, you'll enjoy our everyday low prices, plus extra ways to save, like digital coupons worth over $600 each week. You can also save up to $1 off per gallon at the pump with fuel points. More savings and more inspiring flavors make shopping Kroger worth it every time. Kroger, fresh for everyone. Fuel restrictions apply. You're listening to a Score North podcast right now, and if you're a business owner, so are your customers. In fact, I could be talking about your business right now, telling the tens of thousands of loyal fans about you and sending them to your business. Find out how you can partner with your favorite Score North podcast. Visit scorenorth.com now and enter keyword partner. Fill out the form, and we'll get in touch with you quickly. Once Phil, Judd, Declan, or others start talking about your company, you'll be amazed at how many fans start showing up. So visit scorenorth.com now and enter keyword partner. TCL is a proud sponsor of the Score North Studios. TCL, America's fastest growing TV brand. It's Purple Daily. Yeah, well, I mean, I you know, I didn't pull out thin air. I just got, uh, <laughs> uh, you know, I got a, uh, a text and had a conversation with somebody that that I trust that basically said, you know, these not not saying that it was definitely going to happen, but that Minnesota and Cleveland had had conversations about Odell and um, was told uh, about what Minnesota would be giving up in order to make that trade with Cleveland, which would be a two and a five next year. So, I mean, it's fascinating to see if it, if it does happen. I asked, is it definitely going to happen to those? I wouldn't say that. We'll see what happens, anything, but I'm just telling you that the two teams have had conversations. So just as I'm sitting down here and I'm getting settled and I'm getting my mind in the right place for a big day of reckless speculation with my friend and our journeyman uh, correspondent, Sage Rosenfels, and I'm just, Sage, I'm just getting ready here. I'm like putting my headphones on. I'm sitting down and then I see just the best tweet, the best tweet from someone about Odell Beckham coming to Minnesota. And until I say it, I can't move on with this. Uh, this is from Taylor on Twitter. Someone tell Odell Beckham the Vikings have great boat parties. It's just, it's just too good. It's just perfect. <laughs> the the famous, uh, yes, the well for both teams, very famous boat parties. <laughs> yes. um, that's and, why it's and so things perfect. didn't go well afterwards. One, I, I, well, I think both situations, the coach got fired. Actually, uh, yeah, that's right. In the right. Giants' case, they didn't win a game after the boat. I think was. What happened? Uh, there, so. Yeah, they right. They had the boat party. They all took pictures on the boat, and then they came back and completely no showed and lost in the playoffs. And uh, yeah, well, so that's all right. That's how I want to start it for sure. So we have this rumor, and uh, the guy from WFAN who calls himself Moose, who was just on, which is great. And I think we have failed ourselves by not having a nickname for all of us uh, like Moose. But um, and I can get behind that. That's a fullback nickname. But. Uh, Tell me what you think, Sage. Uh, <laughs> you get behind it; it's a pullback nickname. <laughs> it sure is. I, I, I mean, tell me what you think. There's uh, the rumor from the WFAN uh, talk show host that the Vikings and Browns have had discussions for Odell Beckham Jr. pertaining to a second and, and fifth round pick, not this year but next year, which is kind of odd. And here we are with the most reckless of all reckless speculation. So, give me your reaction. Well, the Vikings need a number one wide receiver, another one, uh, opposite Thielen. So there it makes sense. A second or fifth rounder, 
I think it's a pretty dang good deal for a guy who's, I think, worth at least a first-rounder uh, as far as compensation. He's that type of talent. Um, the salary cap thing makes no sense at all. Right. That's where it doesn't make any sense. It's pretty much, okay, let's get this one guy, and we've got nothing left, Like, and which means also like not uh, have a free safety probably either because they'll have to figure out something with him in some sort of trade. So... Uh, that's where it doesn't make sense at all, and you know, trades have to make sense, but both with the compensation uh, as far as draft picks or whatever it might be, uh, but also the salary cap, and that that's where I just don't see this uh, as a possibility. So Odell Beckham, to be honest with you, yes, the Vikings badly need them one receiver, and yes, he's very talented, but there's something about Odell Beckham that I feel like can hurt a football team. You know the sort of the locker room thing, and and I think it's sometimes when you have guys who truly believe, and they are like world superstars, mm-hmm. but yeah. sort of get what feels like to me almost lost in that uh, superstardom. Um, I you know it hasn't didn't do well for him in New York, and it, and it didn't do well for him. Uh, you know, really, and he was better in Cleveland last year, but I'm sure he hates being in Cleveland. Uh, not being a big market, and uh, and so from that aspect, I don't know if I'd like him on the football team either. So, uh, just from the cap perspective, um, Odell Beckham has a cap number of fourteen point two five million dollars for this year. So, if you were to trade away Anthony Harris, you could fit Odell Beckham into it. And one positive part of his salary cap situation is that after the twenty twenty season, you can cut him and have no dead cap money. So you, it's basically a one-year deal, and then you can just move on if it doesn't work out. Or if it does work out, you could just keep him on a $15 million a year uh, salary cap number for the following three years. So actually, that would become, if you liked how it was going, that would become kind of a good contract once they go to 17 games. And then all of a sudden, you know, he's not at that point one of the highest paid receivers though you know likely if he's got good seasons he's going to want a different contract uh, well I, I don't like trading player i don't like trading second round draft we you know imagine this imagine they trade for him they do um uh, he does play it ends up being basically a one-year deal and then the following spring you're he's not on the team anymore and you don't have your second fifth round draft picks right i yeah. think that would be like yeah. this is annoying we know we, we need those draft picks so i don't like trading draft picks for a guy and you see it occasionally on teams that are may- maybe going to make a run and then like another team has a player who's in the last year's contract they don't see him resigning and they'll trade from for basically like the run at the end of that season yep. and I-, I don't think the vikings are in that type of scenario to trade uh, a-, a good an important draft pick second rounder uh for somebody for just one year i don't think that's this is the type of team or situation to uh, to do, to make that type of trade. There's a little bit, too, with Odell Beckham of name recognition versus how good he has actually been recently. And two of the last three years, he's had some sort of injury thing. The year in between, he was very good, but had meltdowns that included him fighting against a kicking net at one point. And then his first introduction to his new head coach in Cleveland was him getting in trouble for handing out cash on the field to LSU players and slapping the rear end of a police officer in the LSU locker room. I forgot about the game. that. Now, so this yeah. is very different. And this is actually a point that I made a bunch of times during the Stefan Diggs drama is that there are many shades of gray when it comes to someone being a diva. And there 
there is a diva like Stefan Diggs who I think desperately wanted to win and be the reason that they won and wanted the football. And it's sort of like competitively driven as his divaness, if you will. Odell Beckham just has problems controlling himself. I go, what, what there's just did? odd. There's odd behavior. Yeah. Right. right. There's on top of like there's you know there's just straight up odd. The thing which is paying the guys on the field is the classic like somebody else accomplished something. So I'm going to come in here and make it about me. Yes. Yep. Because yep. I don't even know who the player was. I have no idea who that LSU player or players were that he was giving money to on the field after they won the national championship. But I do know this. That's where all the cameras were. Uh-huh. And Odell went, did whatever he could be right in front of them and then do something ridiculous. And that's Odell Beckham. And that's why I n- never liked really having those guys on my football team and and rarely did. was very lucky I didn't. And the great wide receiver I did play with, Andre Johnson, that would be the last thing uh, you know that, that he would do. He'd be the guy that would take one of those college guys and, and mentor him uh, in off-season training and show him, like, this. if you want to become an NFL wide receiver, this is what you do, not uh, give him much cash on the field. Side note, I've been watching some Andre Johnson in old games. What a freaking monster. But that's, yeah. uh, that's for another day where we should do a full film breakdown of why Andre Johnson should be in the Hall of Fame. But Odell Beckham last year, in terms of where Pro Football Focus rated him, was the 33rd best wide receiver just ahead of Robbie Anderson and just behind DK Metcalf. And yeah, yeah, you could definitely say that their head coach didn't know what he was doing and proved it from start to finish with the Cleveland Browns or that Baker Mayfield struggled. But here's another observation that I have from looking through his advanced statistics is the quarterback rating when throwing to Odell Beckham has literally gone down every single year of his career in the NFL. So I don't know if even at 27, I look at him as somebody who would be an ascending player or even a player in his prime with the injuries that he had. Remember Baker Mayfield called out their training staff, which, again, goes under the category of things I've never seen before or that are super bizarre to hear a quarterback call out a training staff, but about Odell Beckham's injury and handling it wrong. And two years ago, he missed almost the entire season with an injury and you've got to wonder if these things have sort of caught up to him uh, with, you know, he comes onto the scene is so great. First three seasons, 91, 96, and 105 catches. Since then, 25 with the injury, 77 and 74, which is pretty pedestrian. And 74 in 16 games. Like right, in a played the whole season. season. He hit 77 last year in 12. 91 catches his rookie year in 12 games. I mean, that is well, he was that's special. impressive. Yeah. That's, on, that's on pace for 120. That's you know right around leading the league probably at, at that point. If not, you are easily leading the league. So he he was so impressive, young. But how about he, this? And, and, and has just been as you said, seventy four catches in sixteen games for a starting wide receiver with a good quarterback. Uh, uh, that is very pedestrian, right? A thousand thirty five yards, four touchdowns, I and mean, nothing about that screams. Let me make sure I get this guy in here right away. So his first season in the NFL. Eli Manning had 127.6 quarterback rating when throwing to Odell Beckham. I mean, just an absolute dynamo comes into the league like that. Last year, 70.5 rating when throwing to him. They forced him the ball a lot. He had seven drops, which is kind of a lot for a receiver of his ilk. Seven interceptions when throwing his way. Only four touchdowns. I mean, it's just very hard. Only... only, uh... Uh, four touchdowns last year. Sixteen games as starter. Mm-hmm. 
A lot of people think he's a top five wide receiver in the league, and he has four touchdown catches. Um, that's not very good. That's not very good at all. No, I mean, if you have to go all the way back to 2016 where someone was really impressive, that's kind of hard for me to say that's definitely someone you want on your team who also carries all this other baggage. And I do think that he could be problematic inside of their locker room or a distraction or be on a boat doing something he shouldn't be doing. Like, he has all these possibilities. With someone like Stefan Diggs, you worried that he wasn't happy and when he skipped practice, it was unacceptable, and they fined him for it. But, uh, it, you know, when you looked at all the other stuff, in terms of the off-the-field, the community, the locker room, everything else, I mean, Delvin Cook said it hurt to see Stefan Diggs leave, and then Kirk Cousins is on his Zoom call with the media saying Diggs is the best receiver I've ever played with, and, you know, he's going to miss him. So it's a little bit different, I think, with, uh, with Odell Beckham here. And, you know, if you're talking about somebody who would be going on their third team in three years, that is like the red flag of all red flags, that Cleveland celebrated a championship when they traded for him, and then a year later wants to get the hell away from him? I mean, that's not really somebody that I'm saying, oh, yes, bring him right here to me. By the way, I felt during that Cleveland trade, is when they made that trade, it was like Cleveland not understanding you're, you're trading for a player that is obsessed with attention. He's currently in New York. Mm-hmm. I, I think his his greater goal is is probably like bigger than football as far as being a you know sort of a football player, but also just straight up celebrity. And that's just he's going to Cleveland. That's he's not going to be super thrilled about that. Right. Like it, you know, there's there's just certain athletes that are looking for that type of stardom uh you know made was dwight howard sort of like that in the nba career he wanted to go to a a major you know city or whatever and you know you think something like the chargers or or the rams or you know obviously you know the bears is a huge market that dallas cowboys one of those style football teams i think i feel like odell beckham would fit better in because he loves that star he loves that camera and i always wonder and i feel like with odell for me i sort of saw that early like that's he he. That's what who he wants to be. That's important to him. And that and the first thing I always think of is what happens to those guys when their careers are done, because they will be at some point, whether it's in three years or whether it's in uh, twelve years. Players just their career ends, and so what happens when you're so used to getting that attention, mm-hmm. wanting that attention, needing that attention, and it just will go away. Uh, and you know, it, even even if you can be on TV and like be like Michael Irvin and work for NFL Network and get some of it, um, it's just not going to be the the same as when you're playing. And I don't know if they you know figure out if it's hard for them when they're done because they're so used they're craving that attention they're so used to getting it and now all of a sudden like people just don't care as much like you're the guy who used to play. Um, and it just sort of dwindles down, like Chad Johnson or you know those types of guys. What happens to those guys when they're done? I imagine that to struggle, and I imagine at some point they hopefully figured out like all that you know all that attention seeking stuff is fleeting, especially if you're an athlete, because it's not like you're a musician who you can sort of do it for you know until you're 
75 years old or whatever, right. athletes can't. And I always, when I saw Odell Beckham Jr. young and, and maybe not his first year, but after you got into that second, third season, I thought to myself, man, this guy, when he's done playing, he might struggle with uh, with the lack of attention. Yeah, and he's sort of struggled with it even just being in Cleveland uh, since then, uh, clearly from what we saw with what happened in LSU. And I just don't really think that he and that sort of mentality would fit with a lot of the other players that are the stars on the Vikings roster right now. Uh, Delvin Cook is a very understated type of person. I mean, he was somebody that came out with, quote, character issues, and he sat next to Teddy Bridgewater for an entire year and has been you know, the perfect choir boy since he's been a Minnesota Viking, but he's also not a guy who seeks attention for himself and tries to put himself out there. He's the one that's, you know goes ahead and thanks the offensive line first. He's like that kind of guy. And Adam Thielen is not an attention seeker. You don't have that from Daniil Hunter, from Harrison Smith. I mean, most of the guys, Eric Hendricks, most of them who are the big-time players and leaders in this locker room are the understated guys who shy away from cameras, shy away from attention. I mean, what off-season stories have you heard this year about Harrison Smith other than us being mad he didn't make the All-Pro team for the decade, the All-Decade team? Like, you'll never... Uh, you know, you'll never hear that from a lot of these guys in this locker room, and it just seems well, like it would be a very, very weird fit to have someone that wants to be the star of the show. Yeah, correct. And I don't see that fit either. Uh, and the person I, I think he fits the least with, uh, and he might be the easiest guy to get along with, is Gary Kubiak. Kubiak is not that type of guy. Yeah. He doesn't really like those types of guys. He doesn't like prima donnas. He likes receivers that like, listen, if we're going to throw you the ball, you got to do us a favor and you got to get in the block. And he asks receivers consistently to dig out the safeties, uh, uh, to be a part of that running game, uh, to be really good blockers. Again, Andre's one of those guys that was a very, very good physical blocker. Um, he, he doesn't like the prima donna types, the diva types. He likes sort of blue collar. You know, you go back to the old Broncos when he was coming up, you know, Rod Smith and, and McCaffrey. Yeah, yeah. You know, those guys weren't divas by any means. Those guys were workers. And, and uh, so I don't see it. And not that Coops can't work with uh, one of those types of guys. He, he also under, Coops can work with anybody, but he doesn't, he prefers to not have those types of guys because I think over the long haul, over the marathon of a season or seasons, those types of per- personalities can wear on coaches, on players, on, on everybody. And I think he's seen over his long coaching career that those situations just generally don't work out very well. So in terms of probability of happening, it strikes me as being very, very low for all the reasons that we laid out. Now, I'll give you one reason why I would think that they would make that phone call. And the thing about the NFL offseason and rumors that make this so fun for us to talk about, but why a lot of them don't come to fruition, is a lot of teams just call on everybody. You know, I mean, anybody that's out there that could potentially be moved, teams will sort of find a way either through the media or back channels to let everyone know who's on the block. And if you're the Vikings, maybe you call just to see, just to know what the price is. So, like, just say that we want Odell Beckham. What would it cost us? And that is the price, the second-round pick and a fifth-round pick. But the only reason that they would do it is out of sheer desperation to keep their jobs because the pressure is still on Rick Spielman and Mike Zimmer. We have not heard anything about contract extensions for either one of them, which tells you that it really is ramped up to 11 in terms of the heat in that room going into this draft. Uh, The public relations for the Vikings in terms of their... uh, 
maybe approval rating among fans for this offseason is very, very low. You trade away the Minneapolis Miracle receiver because you couldn't make him happy. You sign a contract extension to a quarterback a lot of fans don't believe in. Uh, You haven't signed the most popular player, Delvin Cook, to an extension. You lose a bunch of defensive players and haven't replaced them. Like It would be the one thing to sort of win the offseason, get your ownership excited, get your fan base excited. We've got Beckham, we're going to win. But you know, last year, they have Diggs and Thielen. And in 2018, they have Diggs and Thielen. I think last year's version of Stephon Diggs is way the hell better than last year's version of Odell Beckham. And what did that change exactly? And you're going into a draft where there's all sorts of receivers everywhere. I mean, there's a dozen good wide well, receivers. Why are you going to spend 15, $15 million on this guy? That's another reason I was thinking, like, this doesn't make sense. I, I, I'm looking at this draft, and there does seem to be a lot of... Uh, you know, the, the uh, receivers that'll be their starters that are uh, first or second rounders, and you know the Vikings have some picks there, and I think they'll take one of those guys. So uh, that that's another thing is that, and that's a position also that a lot of times rookies can come in and start fairly early. The wide receiver position, the further away from the football, it's, a lot of times it's easier it is to to play early. So um, I don't see it happening. I agree with you. It could be one of those scenarios where the Vikings just go, you know what, let's make a phone call. Let's just see what it's worth. And that's what we know Cleveland be willing to give up, you know, in, in the situation. You know, the, the, of course, there's the whole Kevin Stefanski connection there uh, that was just with the Vikings. And so, um, you know, we will see what happens with this scenario, but I don't see it happening. Um, but if he was, if he would come here and he'd be happy and he and, and they didn't have to sign some crazy extension for him, and it would just be that fifteen million dollar number, and it was like three seasons for a second rounder and a fifth rounder, and and he's you know a good teammate in the whole thing. I think that'd be a great deal. I think that'd be a good deal if he, you know, catches eighty five, ninety balls, uh, you know, around a hundred balls, something like that. I think that'd be a really good deal. He has that type of talent, and I think in this offense, he really can run. I mean, he's one of those guys oh, that yeah. can run uh, as fast, and and he would fit what the Vikings are needing is something that can really stretch the field. And, and him and Thielen, he might like the situation, playing in a dome, playing at, uh, on a quarterback that's put up really big numbers, an offense that puts up big numbers, that makes receivers uh, uh, with, with high yards per catch and high touchdowns. He would see him himself fitting into that role. You know, you know, Minneapolis is not, uh, you know, the uh, Dallas and, and L.A. and New York, but uh, it's a really, really good market. It's got a great stadium, uh, great practice facility that the Vikings fans are, you know, mm-hmm. some of the best in the National Football League. So, um, you know, he would be, in a sense, uh, I, I think a, there's enough superstar uh, aspect of Minneapolis uh, and, and on this football team, I think it would be a situation. And maybe he'd be humbled. Maybe he's coming from Cleveland, like a little humbled, like you know, maybe I just need to, you know, be on the right team and out of Cleveland, and and I would be a you know happier camper, you know, once he got out of there. Because I, I don't think they'd be discussing this trade unless they probably knew he'd be happy to get out of Cleveland uh, from the Cleveland Browns perspective. Right, yeah. And, you know, all of that in terms of your best-case scenario, everything is a math equation for me. It's just like, what are your odds of X, Y, and Z? What's the value in terms of wins above replacement or points above replacement that you get by having this instead of that? And I just can't make the, the math work on this because percentage chance that he's humbled and comes here and there's no problems, especially considering who the quarterback is, by the way. I mean, this is not a quarterback who gets people to fall in line. 
I mean, just, you know, we were talking about Brett Favre the other day. I swear you could put anybody with Brett Favre and they'll be better at football and they'll follow him no matter how much of a diva they are. And I don't see those type of qualities from Kirk Cousins. And his personality combined with Odell Beckham's personality just screams for a giant clash between those two. And and that would have to be a consideration if they went forward with something like this. You don't see them hanging out and and uh, in the backyard and and uh, <laughs> flipping some burgers and you know at, you don't see that. Uh, it's a funny thought. It's like an SNL skit a little bit, but uh, I can see it once. Know, like I can a, see it once. Yeah, you maybe. know, you sort of have to do that, right? You have to, you know. We we had our dinner together and and we're we're friends. We talked some things over when nothing actually happened. That's uh, I I could see that one time actually. So yeah, probably. Uh, so anyway, but over a sixteen game reckless speculation with the reckless. pressure. Yeah. Oh, this is as reckless as it gets, and I. Uh, was really hoping that we would have things like this for you to be reckless because you're always well. Let me break down the uh, you know X Jet forty two three left thing, and uh, so now like you're all in. Like you were just sort of dipping your toe in, but once you've spent twenty three minutes talking about a rumor that has about a five percent chance to happen, you're all in, Sage. Yeah, we will. Uh, we we will see what happens. It you know it. Very possibly could be one. It's it's draft time, smoke season. That's and it's right. Not necessarily yeah, just smoke points. about draft picks. It's smoke about trades and about uh, all these other things. So it's you know it could be one of those things the Vikings or the Browns are trying to put out there uh, just for uh, for a smoke screen or or whatever it might be. Yeah. And so before we take a break here, and then we got some other things on the other side to discuss, including I want you to put it down in black and white your top five quarterbacks in this draft, uh, Sage, and I've got my list too. But I guess my last word on this for now until we get something else is I don't love it. If they did it, though, it would be super Vikings-y. Like it would be bringing back Randy Moss or you know something like that, some crazy type of thing that they do to grab all of the headlines and be fascinating for the next year. And at least from my perspective, it would be lots of fun to have now Odell Beckham here because you know that it's not just going to go smoothly, but there's also a chance that he's unbelievably good at football. So it would be fun from that perspective and for fans would give them a lot of excitement. I just don't think it's necessarily an idea that has great odds of working out. So let's uh, take a break, and when we come back, our quarterback rankings are top five in this draft. I decided it's time that with a, about a week and a half to go or however long we have uh, to go before the draft, it's time to, to make it official, and then we can go back a year from now and talk about how badly we missed. All right, let's uh, take a break. Here we'll be right back on Purple Daily. Hey, Score North listeners, it's Phil Mackey here for Federated Mutual Insurance Company, which is here to give business owners that peace of mind that you need when you've built a company with your blood, your sweat, your tears, maybe not your blood, but whatever, like you built a company and you want your insurance team to be ready with a game plan that helps you recover, if needed, recover smoothly so you can get on with running your business. Federated has a century of experience in helping business owners. You can find out more about the industries Federated protects at their website, federatedinsurance.com. And remember, Federated Insurance, it's their business to protect yours. Jonathan here with the Score North download. In times like these, you may not be thinking about blood donation, but blood is needed every day by patients facing a range of serious illnesses. If you're healthy, please schedule an appointment to donate by visiting redcrossblood.org or use the keyword red over at scorenorth.com. 
If you are just joining us here on Score North and you somehow have avoided the news or the rumor today of Odell Beckham Jr. and the Vikings possibly being together in a trade, we have all that covered for you over at scorenorth.com and the free Score North mobile app. Judd Zelgad's got an article up there on how to deal with the rumors of the Vikings possibly trading for one Odell Beckham Jr., trading the, trading the second round and fifth round picks from next year's draft to the Browns for Odell Beckham Jr. That was a rumor out of WFAN in New York this morning. We've got you all covered on that all day here at Score North. That's been your Score North download. Now back to Purple Daily. Thank you, Jonathan. Matthew Collar, Sage Rosenfels here with you. So if there is anything more that comes out of this rumor with Odell Beckham Jr., uh, then, of course, we will jump right to it. And Ken Carmen, who is from 92.3, the fan in Cleveland, is going to join us at 3.30 to further discuss because that's what you do with a rumor. Uh, I, was on, I was on Ken's show this morning. He is a Nine great o'clock. guy. You know what? We're birthday bros. We have the same. And he birthday. has a he has a national show, correct? I feel like I've been on his maybe a national show too with him. Yep, he does uh, a CBS way, radio. Do you know who your birthday bros are? What what does that even mean? That like means, the same uh, day. Pe- yeah, people who share the same birthday with you. Like for me, it's yeah, Shaq. You have the same I birthday guess. as Shaq. Oh, yeah. that's great. Mine and is then, like Ross Perot. Um, Ed, and Ed Hel- Helen Keller. You have Ed McMahon. I have yeah. uh, Mr. Marlin, Jeff Conine. I think Michael J. Fox. Oh, you got a good haul. I think so. Yeah, that's I'm not bad. Happy with it. If, if we and were they, drafting birthday bros, they, you would win. When they get asked the same question, my name gets brought up, so it all works uh, out. Yeah, yeah, that's equally. right. Shaq is like, you know, who's your birthday bro, Shaq? Sage Roosevelt's. Yeah, former, we both, you know, for, for the most part, for the most part, people know who I who we are by the first four letters in our first name, oh, and we're yeah. you know we're good. Flame. That's uh, it. Actually, and both, by the way, both of you one were more in thing, Miami, One more thing too. on the Odell Beckham. One more thing on Odell Beckham. <laughs> Just as I was listening to that, uh, it was from WFAN out of New York. Yeah. Like, how is this rumor coming out of New York? So I'm thinking to myself, well, hmm, maybe Odell Beckham made this rumor. <laughs> <laughs> That's <laughs> right. Know, it's like, maybe it's his agent or something or, you know, one of his old media people from the, you know, I, you know it's like it almost seems like it's from him because... You'd think this room would come out of either Minneapolis or Cleveland, not the team that Odell Beckham used to be on. Yeah, that is, uh, it is bizarre. And the thing about football teams is there's just so many darn people. There's so many people yeah. who work for teams, so many people inside teams, and then agents, and then friends of players and everything else. And the person who reported it, I'm not questioning that that was a thing that he heard that he put it out there, but it's not Adam Schefter. So it's a, you know, it's a, it's a little bit different. And I had someone also in the know a little bit who would reach, who reached out to me and said, look, this is just really not a thing that he could see the front office doing, but you know, like, I mean, it's out there for a reason. And I wouldn't doubt if the Vikings made that phone call and had a meeting and somebody said to somebody else in the front office, do we think this is a good idea? And it probably gets shot down for the reasons that we talked about. So uh, let's move on to a couple other things that I wanted to discuss today. Now, <clears throat> Kirk Cousins just knows how to say the wrong thing. Like, there is very few people in football who stand at podiums so often who find ways to say things that bother other people as much as Kirk Cousins. So I'm not going to get super worked up about Cousins saying that it would be refreshing to play with no fans, as offensive as you might find that, <laughs> considering that. Do you think it was just a point, like a, a, 
poor choice of words. I, I would say poor poor choice of words, but like where he it just sort of it came off and he just like said it, but like didn't really like he was just trying to find a positive, you know what I mean, or something because it's that's some of the best part about playing football is the fans mm-hmm. like even if it's an away game like the the, the energy that makes you know you, you have like i remember in college and spring ball or or whatever you'd have like a spring scrimmage and no fans there and it was always sort of weird you mm-hmm. know to be out there and sort of like an intense spring scrimmage no fans football is a thousand times better because of the fans the the excitement and the noise and the the energy of the of the 60 70 80,000 people I think that's like the opposite of refreshing. I would think that would be like, it, it, it. It would feel dull. Like it would be, it would be eerie. It would be ghostly. It would be, um, you know, odd. Would anything but uh, like oh, that sounds like it'd be a better situation than before. That's which seems to that's what refreshing is. So I, I thought it was an odd choice of words myself. So when you hear him say it, Jonathan has the audio. It does very much come across as he's just trying to find some sort of silver lining to a situation that would be very, very weird. So go ahead, Jonathan. I, honestly, we practice every day in an empty you know, grass area. We pump in fake crowd noise for away games. But more often than not, you're used to, you know, OTA practices don't have a lot of pomp and circumstance to them. So honestly, to go out and just play the game would kind of be refreshing and breath of fresh air to just know that, you know, we don't have to have all the smoke and the fire. We can just go play football. So as long as we're playing the game, I I won't have a lot of complaints. And hopefully if it's still not returned to normal, hopefully we can find a way to, to make it work. Yeah, that's it just sounds bad. Uh, there's there's no way to make that sound not like he's saying, yeah, it'd be great to play without any of you there. But it's it, the thing is, though, Sage, it's cousins. It is. It is. I think he did say, you know, we are they are used to it like that's, you know, which is true. You're used to practicing and, you know, not having you guys make great catches. And all you hear is a couple guys in the sidelines, you know, sort of yell like great catch or something. But, you know, it's practice is different you're so used to football being in in a, some sort of loud stadium and there's a cheer or a whatever after you know basically every single play so it, it would be you know very very unusual and uh you know I, I and i agree with kirk by the way when he says like i hopefully we do play you know even if it is front of no fans that'd be better than not playing at all oh for sure uh, yeah. but uh you know and, and i've been thinking about that lately if we get to that point you know, in, in in stadiums, if there are games this fall, and they're going to, tr- you know, if they're trying to do all this, you know, how many will it be a mask scenario or or these, you know, the the tests that come out? That's a whole other conversation. But like, how quickly can you get tested and maybe walk in, or you know, all these various things? And and uh, I mean, I, hopefully, there's football in the fall. And there's like different levels of it. There's just full on, like everything is normal. There's something in sort of in between, and then there's you know playing with no fans uh, yeah. which would be at least there's football and uh, I think uh, I agree with, I definitely agree with Kirk Cousins on that oh yeah you would rather play in front of only TV cameras and I would assume I guess a handful of us social distancing uh, reporters up in the press box and maybe then we would go down to a press conference area where we can kind of spread out I don't know how any of this is going to work it's just sort of typical of Cousins to say something that everyone would go, huh? It reminds me a little bit of when he said the thing about Garrett Bradbury sweating. Like, it's not that big of a deal. Him saying it would be refreshing and trying to find a silver lining and potentially playing with no fans is not really all that offensive. It's just where you kind of go, 
why would you use that particular word? I think I mean, it was, I, right? Yeah, I think it was just a poor choice of words. Yeah. I think that's what it was. I don't think he actually thought it would be refreshing. I think if you asked him, he'd 100 times out of 100 say he prefers playing in front of fans. I, I think uh, um, it was just a poor choice of words, in my opinion. Yeah, it's just if there were 32 quarterbacks asked the same question, he would be the only one to come up with something that could anger fans. It's just, it's, it's just him. It's just him. Or you, for sure. It's, it's sort of like, I, I'm not even upset about it because we've gotten to the point where it's like he just does this. I mean, the, uh, the code words rant was based on, this is from a while ago, where I went off the handle when he said next year, it's only year one, next year we'll have code words to use at the line of scrimmage. It's like, wait, you're supposed to be in the Super Bowl. And you went 8-7-1, and one, and now you're saying it's only year one. But it's, it, I've gotten to the point where you sort of have been around him long enough to know that he just will have these moments where he's, he's trying to say the right thing and then says the wrong thing, and you don't even really know, like, does he does he mean that in a malicious way? It doesn't really seem like he did. He wasn't saying, thank God, none of you will be there. You know, I mean, I'm sure that it's pretty fun to score a touchdown in U.S. Bank Stadium and have everybody go nuts. It's just, like, sort of can show you a little bit of, Maybe why Cousins doesn't connect with people as well as you think right away, or why Anthony Barr said it took a little while to get to know him before they really understood his personality. And last year in the locker room, I thought that the players uh, had a much better relationship and feel for Kirk Cousins, maybe because of that. Because sometimes he does say things where you go, huh, that was odd. And uh, yesterday certainly qualifies with that, with the refreshing thing. But no, I'm not going to flip out and slap the glass like I did in the Code Words rant about it. But uh, I did want to ask you what it would be like, though, as a quarterback to be playing. Let's say you're going to Lambeau Field and you're playing with no fans at Lambeau Field. And that, you know, dun, 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 well, that would be like refreshing. Echoing. Yeah, that would, right, that would be great. Yeah, if he had said on the road, it'd be refreshing. Maybe that, was, that would have come across different. But I think it would be really creepy and weird. It would be it'd be very strange, you know. And then there is there like music in the stadium, you know, your 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 general you know crowd pumping up noises that they make and those types of things, and the overhead speaker with the down and distance and the you know what uh, it, it kind of would be so odd. Um, but it, it very well may happen. It very well may happen. And one of those reasons is because the NFL, different than baseball, they get so much of their money from TV. I, I think it's yeah, maybe yeah. two-thirds of something of, of revenue actually comes from TV. Uh, you know, where baseball, it's obviously it's the daily games and, and all the more local stuff, the, the NFL, on such a national level. So they can still, you know, go a season and not, you know, have zero income. They can get a lot of their income from TV, probably even – you know, maybe even more because there's, you know, there's fewer that people are be missing sports and there's, you know, fewer things sometimes to do and everyone will be home and they're not going to be at maybe a basketball tournaments or things like that uh, uh, in the fall or, or, you know, whatever it might be, soccer games on with, with kids or something. We don't know what it's going to be like. So it might be a scenario where there's more people, you know, watching, you know, sports on live TV yeah. when it comes. I, I was thinking about that. I'm surprised like Federer hasn't played Nadal in some match or something like that. I know that there was talk of like Tiger Woods and somebody playing like a golf match together, but those sports that aren't necessarily team sports where yeah. I think players could compete against each other, you know, I mean, shoot, I think people watch ping pong right now. That's a sport <laughs> you stand at least six feet across from each other. 650,000 watched horse and the, you know, the broadcast yeah, right? wasn't even I good. Mean, 
people are watching. Uh, people are playing v- uh, video games on ESPN the other day. Two NBA guys, and they it was the worst television I could ever imagine. <laughs> you know, now th- I was thinking about this during that game. I, I can't remember who it was a Devin Booker playing against somebody else. And they had the odd, their own audio piped in, which, as you all know, like we've probably, you know, if you've played or seen video games before, it's usually not all that interesting what the players are talking about. They might talk a little trash or something, but it's really mm-hmm. not that fun. But if you could have, like, Marv Albert calling <laughs> the game, yeah. you know, and, of course, knowing the players and then somebody else, that I was like, that would be really, really funny, these announcers. And all the videos I've seen out there where, uh, professional announcers will like create a racing video yes. out of like two people walking down the street or something <laughs> or the park or yes. something. It's they're all hilarious, and so I, I would like to think you know broadcasters should get in on that type of action. You know, there's that there's that app or that uh, website Twitch out there that uh, people do all the commentary for video games. Uh, I, I got to think these announcers are waiting to call some sort of game, and uh, and and you know that would be. You know, such an odd scenario in, in general, but I think we're all looking forward to trying to trying to get some football in the fall, and, and whether they have fans or not, uh, I'm, I'm hoping there's uh, at least the game. Yeah, and uh, I saw that the world's favorite doctor, how do you pronounce his name, Dr. Uh, the Fauci? Guy, yeah, him. So he was talking about the state of sports and how he sees it as plausible if the players could quarantine and play in front of no fans that you know by whatever time we might be able to get some of these things back and running and the idea of baseball playing in spring training stadiums something like that or everyone going to Arizona and trying to create a biosphere you know it sounds a little bit wacky um, but with football you know, maybe it's not completely out of the question that you could do something like that and you could have your broadcasters who are calling games from, you know, up in the booth or something and maybe, you know, you limit the number of referees and have a sky cam ref. I don't know. Maybe like a lot of things are uh, potentially up in the air here and, and could change, but it would certainly be super strange uh, if we were covering games or watching games on TV that have no fans. And, and there's an XFL joke and an AAF joke in there if you want to make them um, for sure about playing games with no fans. So it's been done, but it would probably be weird for the NFL. All right. I, I heard I heard once of a scenario where Las Vegas, because mm. you've got all these huge hotels, yes, big, yeah. beautiful hotels that are, I'm sure, empty right now. So basically, you could take an entire team with their families if they wanted to come. Like you'd probably get you know one or two rooms or something like that. For and and basically, a whole team would get an entire you know hotel. But you'd pretty much have to stay there for the mm-hmm. most part. And yeah. Every, right. Again, everyone probably sort of everyone's quarantined together. And you basically, which you know, doesn't sound terrible. Four months saying it like the uh, the on uh, the on- encore or something like right. that. Uh, some some nice hotel, but you'd have to, you know, as I've like followed trying to follow whether they have sports or they don't have sports, and you know, open up the economy and all these things. There, people are talking about in the news. I, I got to think it comes down to testing. Like we got to have yep. this massive yep. testing scenario, That's right. whether it's super quick and it's a couple minutes or whatever it might be, but. Where you can, it's so easy to get a test that's like mind-boggling, and and so literally I can test myself, and then like, okay, I'm now gonna go practice or something like right. that. That's yeah. I just don't see the scenarios, um, you know, players feeling safe until 
there's a lot, a lot of testing, and and uh, you know, I, I'm not into, I don't know all the specifics of it, but I, I keep seeing sort of like before we, until we get to that point where we have just massive amount, millions and millions and millions and really billions of tests for the whole planet, yep. until we can get to that point where uh, these athletes can get mass testing all the time. Uh, it's just going to be hard to get back to sort of everyday life. Yeah, that's right. And I think for now, we just have to wait and see. The NFL is in the good position of being able to uh, just already be in its regular offseason, except for, you know, who knows about when training camps will start and everything like that. But it at least seems mildly realistic that we could get football uh, somewhat on time with some sort of training camp and everything else if we all continue to do our part, which, by the way, do that. And I was very proud of everyone in the grocery store the other day. I was you know, just trying to run in and run out. Many, many people had masks, everybody trying to stay away from each other. So it, it, 90% of people are doing their part, and that's the right thing for us. Um, so, By the way, I, did you see that the WWE, the World Wrestling Entertainment, got um, uh, what's a necessary uh, status or yes. whatever yeah, the yeah, other yeah. day by the state of Florida? <laughs> Only Florida, And I'm thinking man. to myself, like, if there's anything that's completely not necessary... <laughs> It's fake wrestling. Yeah, you could. Right? You, um, I don't want to offend but, people, but you could rule that not necessary ever. <laughs> I mean, football is not necessary either, but at least like it's sort of real. You know what I mean? Like there's, it's, uh, it's like saying a, a TV show. I mean, it's truly a TV show. Uh, it's scripted, so I would think like you know, is is Seinfeld necessary? No, it's not. <laughs> not at this moment. So they don't get the special status to produce their show that was a, a very interesting move recently well i will call better call saul necessary because uh without that my quarantine would be a lot less entertaining uh so i want to get our rankings on the record here sage of quarterbacks in this draft because i was going through a bunch of the the lower level quarterbacks and uh our friend doogie reported that the vikings had some sort of Zoom call with Jake Fromm for whatever that's worth. I mean, they're going to talk to a million different people, so it's not surprising. Um, but I have written down my top five, and you can just tell me if you disagree, if you have them differently, and then some other guys that might be on your radar, because I have three more after the top five that would be on the radar. So it's Joe Burrow, number one, obviously. The guy put up insane numbers. He's really accurate. People have comped him to someone like Tony Romo, I like that. There's a little bit of baller in him. Tua is number two for me. Again, no surprises. I have Jalen Hurts third, and then Justin or then Jordan Love. You're and then big Justin on Jalen Hurts. I am. You're big on. Jaylen I am not. Well, so let me clarify. I'm not big on Jalen Hurts in terms of thinking he'll be a great NFL player, but I think he's better than Jordan Love and Justin Herbert in terms of what his resume says to me, and also just history. History does not look kindly on. Let's get the guy with the big arm and athleticism but didn't produce anything in college. And I know I'm saying that to a guy with a big arm and big hands who didn't produce anything in college. But uh, it just hasn't, like, those guys don't turn into stars very often. They turn into your Blake Bortles and your Josh Allens where they go to the NFL and they're not accurate. And so, you know, I, I think Hertz was, even though he doesn't have the arm and was a little slow to get rid of the ball, he's more accurate and he's a great playmaker. I have him ahead of Jordan Love who couldn't succeed at Utah State versus a guy who succeeded at Oklahoma, uh, and then Justin Herbert fifth. And after that, I've got your guy Anthony Gordon, Jake Fromm, yeah. and uh, Tyler Huntley as the sleeper, as just a guy who you know had put up put up numbers and 
you know, I don't know a ton about him, but looks sort of intriguing. Pro Football Focus liked his grades, things like that. Like I, I haven't broken down a ton of Tyler Huntley tape, but somebody to keep an eye on in the late rounds. So do you agree? You, with, do you agree with that? Um, yeah, I, you know, there's the, the, my list is, is a little different. Um, by the way, I had a long conversation with an NFL quarterbacks coach yesterday, uh, team, uh, unnamed, and it was very interesting. He had some questions for me about some of the quarterbacks that I've worked with. Uh, and then we just talked about, you know, various guys in this draft and, you know, th- that's where you get all the good inside information about like, how was his interview? Yeah. You know, yeah. was, was this guy a likable guy? Was this guy an idiot? Was this guy like, what is his knowledge of football? Idiot. You know, it's, it's amazing. <laughs> um, cause I, I, that's what I don't know, right? Yeah. I didn't, yeah, get yeah, to, yeah. I didn't get to interview these guys and spend some real time with them. And so that was very interesting to me. And, um, so, so in my, t- and that is going to influence my, top five uh i'm also joe burrow and tua you know tua's accuracy is and burrow's accuracy was phenomenal the last couple years they they just don't miss guys open guys very often and again i always go accuracy decision making of course tua has the issue with the injury scenarios you know knees don't scare me for quarterbacks knees scare me for receivers and running backs uh hips do scare me for any athlete hips is a different deal back also back injuries uh especially for like offensive linemen those are really hard to come back from uh but i there's two it does a lot of really good things his accuracy is very very good and he makes a lot of good decisions as well um so i do have those guys as one and two i actually like jacob eason wow uh, this is a okay. big strong thrower university of washington he's a I didn't natural see that thrower he's got a cannon He'll probably be a late first rounder, second rounder, maybe. I think personality might be an issue there, like in a sense of. It's not good. Um, what, no, no. So what was the? Uh, um, I, I've heard that you know, but it, here's the deal: is his teammates love him. Oh, okay. Like his teammates, his coaching staff, like they really did like him. Though I hear he's, you know, he's not one of those guys that's like, eh, you know, you're not really, uh, you're not Drew Brees walking in the room, you know, right. or Tom Brady or Peyton Man or something like that. Uh, he's a you know maybe maybe slightly immature at times, um, but when I was watching film, the ball just jumps out at you with uh, the way he throws the football, uh, and and he throws a great deep ball. Um, he is a he's a to me he's like he's a better version of uh, a better throwing version of Justin Herbert. Herbert, his issue, and that's why I don't have him uh, as high as a lot of other people. I feel I have him as like the you know maybe even a fairly high first round draft pick. He's one of those guys. He's got all these like tangible numbers, but his accuracy is off the charts. I mean, he is he misses eighteen was it eighteen percent of his throws from five to twenty yards. Yeah, yeah. I think we saw that stat the other day. Yep. Between and five and twenty two yards. Yeah, Tua and Joe Burrow were both right around four percent. And Justin Herbert missed 18%. He, he was just completely off on the wide receiver. This isn't like a contested throw yeah. and it was incomplete. Like he missed the wide receiver one out of five times on five to 20 yards. These aren't even deep balls. So, you know, that type of stuff, his inaccuracy does jump out at you. Um, and, you know, Jordan Love, I think he's, he's this guy that can create and, and he, he makes a lot of interesting throws. And, and so I, I think people are looking sort of like for the Pat. It's like one of those they're trying hard to find the Pat Mahomes type, which yeah. they're just not. Yeah. Pat Mahomes is out there. Right. He's a very, very watered-down version of Mahomes from what I have seen. So I'm not as uh, high as him as some people have him too. 
I do like Anthony Gordon, like legitimately. I, I think I'm mm-hmm. going to put him as like the fifth guy, I guess, in that group. Um, I, I'd like to get him in the top five. I love to work with him. I basically lived with him for three days in an apartment, and uh, he's a great kid. The The coach I talked to loved him as well, loved the interview. He's talked to him many times since. And by the way, that coach told me he's Zooming, you know, the the, the, the uh the app or whatever yeah. he's having these zoom calls with quarterbacks every single day oh. and in some instances uh is getting more done than he would normally have gotten done by constantly traveling around yeah. to all these you know places he does wish he could work these kids out because a lot of times uh he said that what you miss out on is you know hey try this with your throwing motion or try this with your footwork and to see if they can do it you know try to see if they can change something mm-hmm. of course you can't do that in just like an interview but <laughs> right. he has had a chance to multiple times uh interview these quarterbacks and 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 he absolutely loved Anthony Gordon so I see Anthony as a guy that he probably won't get drafted high. Like he's one of those guys. I think the Vikings would be a good team to to, to take a, a shot at, like in the you know fifth, sixth round, seventh round, or something. He's going to be a later pick, I, I believe. Uh, but I do think he's one of those guys that's going to be in the NFL for a while. Maybe he just ends up being a backup. But you know, shooting the and you know that that's sometimes you don't get more than four starting three starting quarterbacks in in one draft class. Uh, so I'm going to put in the top five. So do I have Burrow to. Uh, Jacob Eason, um, Anthony Gordon is five, and then uh, you know I will go with I'll, I'll I'll go with Jake Fromm. I'll go Jake Fromm as the oh, fourth okay. quarterback. The guys won a lot of football games. Interesting. Um, you know he's not some great player, but uh, I'll put him as one of those guys that could be maybe Kirk Cousins like. I like the mm-hmm. when you watch him when you watch him quarterback, he's got great rhythm in his feet. And, uh, and he's a pretty accurate quarterback as well, and there's been a lot of big-time football games. I mean, three SEC championship games, one national championship. I do like it when those guys have been in those big games and, and played pretty dang well in the national championship game. If it wasn't for Tua coming in and winning it right at the end, he would have a national championship as well. So uh, I, I do like Jake Fromm. Uh, sometimes even better than the, the Herberts and, the, and uh, Justin Herbert and Jordan Love. So you are just not in on Jalen Hurts then? Just not. I mean, he's a great runner and he's an okay thrower, but I just he seems to be from what I've watched him on film a lot of one read and run. Yeah, you know, like yep. this guy's not open. One read and run. Oh, we're try- we're trying to get this sort of unique little play. Oh, the linebacker didn't move. Run. And, you know, there's yep. not this. Pro- pro- and that takes a while for those guys who have never gone through progressions. That takes like years to develop because it's like a whole new trait. And uh, but he is an exceptional runner. Uh, I, I will say that. I mean, he's not Lamar Jackson, but he is a guy that is dangerous, uh, you know, with his feet, and and uh, that has become more valuable in the NFL. And he might do really well, like in a Vikings offense. Those good athletes like that. So he's not a bad passer. Uh, he's not inaccurate. Um, he just doesn't go through a lot of reads. It seems like mm-hmm. to me. So you get a pretty accurate quarterback in a Kubiak system. Man, he can find a way to really maximize his talents and the play action stuff makes all the quarterbacks better. It's hard to go through in that pocket passing stuff, go through the protections. I think this offense would actually fit really well for Jalen Hurts. Yeah, you know what I like about Hurts most, aside from the athleticism matters. I mean, if you can make up for not being as good at reading defenses by running for 12 yards whenever you want to, and has I like the toughness of him, and I also like the way he handled the Alabama situation, that there are a lot of... Um, you know, entitled people in the world and entitled quarterbacks, uh, people who come in and 
No, I don't know. Just, you know, have their dads send tweets to people during training camp and make their own T-shirts and do certain things. I'm not referring to any Viking quarterback from last year who got cut. But, uh, you know, the way he handled that situation was, I think, just with class. And then he went and got better at Oklahoma. And it makes you think, you know, the guy competes and also knows how to handle himself in a professional manner. And you add that with athleticism. And he does have accuracy, too. I like that combination of things for making up for something that he's short on. But when we say high on this guy or that guy, the only two I'm high on are Burrow and Tua. Anybody else is just flip a coin. Like I don't know. Yeah. Like you know. You know. I need to watch. I need to watch this Bryce Perkins kid from Virginia. I thought I saw a few clips of him and I liked him, and I never got a chance to watch him. So watch Huntley if you get a chance. There's a very interesting stat with him is that he only had six turnover worthy throws all year long. It was like right at the it was like way up at the top of the nation. He's undersized, doesn't have a huge arm, but I'm kind of intrigued by him. The uh, the undersized thing doesn't mean that much to me anymore and the not the not having the huge arm doesn't mean as much to me anymore. Um it's the guys that are there's a you know, and again, this is part of that conversation I had yesterday with that quarterback's coach, but there's guys that you walk into the room and they just sort of have this I like being around him, yeah. you know, or yeah. or I'm going to just He's in the weight room today. Like I'm just gonna work a little bit harder. Like I think like that's a you know when Breeze walks into a room, yep. it just sort of changes the feel and the energy. And there's a sense of urgency that he just carries with him, and it spreads to everybody else. And and those types of guys are, uh, you know, size doesn't matter, and your arm strength doesn't matter, uh, accuracy, decision making, and that little that extra little that grit uh, that can really add to a football team. For sure. Well, Sage, it was fun to be reckless and analytical in the same hour with you. And uh, so we will do it again. And we are getting close, buddy. We are getting we are close. getting close. And next week we'll talk about the Odell Beckham trade that occurred. <laughs> Obviously, he's going to curse since we said that there's no yes, chance. That's right. And, and we'll be talking about it on Monday. Yeah, looking that, forward to it. That is for sure. Well, we are getting there. All right, Sage. Well, great stuff as usual. Always appreciate your help. And when we come back, the master of recklessness, Judd Zolgad, joins the show. Ken Carmen from Cleveland at three thirty. We'll be right back here on Purple Daily. Score North and many of our local advertisers partners remain open for business and you can hear from them daily right here on score north scorenorth.com and the free score north mobile app we are all in this together and you can hear how you can support our local community by visiting scorenorth.com keyword open tcl is a proud sponsor of the score north studios tcl america's fastest growing tv brand it's purple daily Play action. And Manning's going to heave one. Is, oh, there's a flag. Back from a one-handed catch. How in the world? Oh, my goodness. And Brandon Carr was back there. I mean, he is insane. How do you make that catch? Oh, my goodness. And it's Beckham making the catch. And off to the races he goes. Carr chasing him down. Can't get him. Touchdown, Giants. They take the lead. All right, back here on Purple Daily, Matthew Collar, Judd Zolgad. And since there was a report from WFAN that the Minnesota Vikings considered a trade for Odell Beckham, the master of reckless speculation, Judd Zolgad, is now in the studio to discuss. And we'll have Ken Carmen from Cleveland also want to get his take on the finger quote new uniforms for the Browns, which I can't really see what the big difference is. But I guess are those new? That's the thing you're doing these days. 
I don't know. I saw those. They I look guess. like they'll look like the Browns over the past couple of years. Yeah. I think maybe there's a nuance that I'm missing. So Ken will have to explain that. This is Stefanski's stamp, man. This is <laughs> Kevin Stefanski's stamp. Mr. Creativity on the team. The Browns are a team that should just stick with the uniform and stay with it forever and not try to mess with it, not try to make these little changes and tweaks. They have a legendary uniform, and there's a dozen teams who should do that. The Pittsburgh Steelers should never mess with their uniform. Mm -hmm. The Green Bay Packers, the same thing. You've been around for this long. It's a classic. It's great. The Oakland Raiders, just run that thing out. The Las Vegas Raiders. Las Vegas Sorry, Raiders. Not Jonathan. To be confused with Sorry, Jonathan. Not to be confused with the L.A. Raiders in the 80s. Right. But all the in same the uniform, yes. and it's classic. Kansas City should well, you know stay with the same. San Francisco, they've messed you know with theirs too much. Should go back? The Vikings. A lot. I saw that a lot of players. Yeah, a lot 2009 of players about look it. that we saw is vintage Vikings. That's their uniform. Yep. A lot of Vikings players. I saw Kyle Rudolph, our buddy Sage, tweeting about it. I saw Adam Thielen tweeting about really? it. That they want to, yeah, they want to go Kyle's. back. Yeah. Wow. Oh, I didn't see Thielen tweeting. I mean, about it. I don't have any problem with what they have now. It's, it isn't so much of a change from any point that it's offensive. It's not like what Tampa Bay did going right. to the clock numbers and just making me want to <laughs> hurl myself off a tall building. But it's yeah. like. Uh, you know, it's the, the tweaks, uh, you could go back to that darker type mm-hmm. of look. I want them on the road to go with the all white and just the stripes. Sure. The Anthony Carters, like the, yeah. those just looked so good. Um, so anyway, I'm, I'm glad not to have, uh, jersey reveals because I just, as a reporter, what am I supposed to say? Well, here it is. What do you want me to tell you about it? Basically, like, yes. it looks kind of the same. Tweet it um, out. so let's talk about Odell Beckham some more. I, in terms of uh, liking it or not liking the idea, I saw a handful of fans who were saying this would be exciting, it would replace Stefan Diggs. I just don't know about that, Judd, because the current version of Odell Beckham is pretty underwhelming. 74 catches last year, quarterback rating when targeted of 70.5. He had seven drops last season. He was rated 33rd by Pro Football Focus in terms of guys who got at least, I think it was at least 60 targets. So among the more targeted receivers, he was just above D.D. Westbrook from Jacksonville. Like an unimpressive last season. And then two years ago in 2017, he's injured. He'd be going on his third team. He brings you a potential circus even what he did at LSU, smacking a police officer, I'm glad that cooler heads prevailed and they didn't try to like arrest him or something silly like that for just acting like a dink. But he has a long history of acting like a dink. This is not uh, being a diva yelling at people on the sidelines or having cryptic tweets. This is like full on the real deal. A uh, guy who is constantly desperate yep. for attention yep. and could be legitimately problematic for a team and I'm not sure that he has what he used to have because last year came out that he was playing the whole season with an injury. That's not something you want to hear. That's not a good thing. That's mm-hmm. not like, well, he'll be better now. Uh, no, if you're talking about two of the last three years, he's had injuries that have hampered him. That is a bad thing. And I think he's an old 27. That there is a young 27 and there's an old 27 in football. And I think he's an old 27. Michael Floyd. Remember Michael Floyd was only like 27 when they got him? And the guy was 27 going on 36. Right. And I think the same thing might be for Odell Beckham Jr. I don't have a ton of confidence that he's ever going to be that great receiver again. One, selfishly, it'd be great fun. It would be great fun because it could have the, um, it could be a disaster. It could be 
it, it could be explosive, but from a reporter standpoint, and I guess more importantly from a guy that does a sports talk radio several hours a day, it would be fun to talk about. That being said, though, the case that you just made is clearly why he's being shopped. Yes. I think he's gotten to the point now where the baggage is not worth the production. And Kevin Stefanski, as we both know, is not a dumb guy. My guess is he sat down with Beckham. And my guess is that the former Vikings OC is tied very closely and has to be to Baker Mayfield. Yeah. And he probably said, you know, for what we're trying to do here and what Odell uh, is trying to do for Odell... And, and the fact that I do believe that the Glazer reports that came out last year where Odell was basically going up to coaches and players and saying, get me out of here, trade for me, please, yeah, are yep. all very true. My guess is Kevin Stefanski is smart enough to have said, you know, I'm going into my first year as coach. I can make probably a lot of changes that in two or three years I can't make because these are not my guys. And therefore, I'm not saying that a trade to the Vikings is going to happen, but I completely buy that there are conversations going on internally from the Browns to try and shop this guy because of the picture that you just painted, which is is the second a guy like Beckham starts to jump the shark, he's gone. Yeah. He's absolutely gone. Because now he's a pain in the butt, and his production is down, and he's going to get down on the quarterback, and he's going to ask um, opposing coaches to please trade for him and things like that. And if it's OBJ of three or four years ago, you know what? It's a pain, but it's probably worth it. At this point in time, it's not. Yeah, I don't I don't see it as being worth it in terms of his production because his first three years, 91 catches, 96, and then 105. Mm-hmm. And in each of those years, Eli Manning's quarterback rating is over 100 when targeting him. And then that started to slip in 2018, though he was still graded by PFF as one of their better receivers, uh, then what you get from him last year is not making anybody better, not making Baker Mayfield better. And my question would be, last year you had Diggs and Thielen, and Thielen is out for a large portion of the season, but in that portion your passing game performed really well with one wide receiver. And you had Andre Johnson, once upon a time in a Kubiak offense, who performed really well as your top wide receiver. When Kubiak is the offensive coordinator in Baltimore, Steve Smith is their one big wide receiver. They had, I think, Torrey Smith, too, going deep, but he only had something like 40 catches as the number 2 wide receiver. You have never necessarily needed two-star receivers in the Kubiak offense because they're going to use fullbacks, they're going to use uh, you know, the tight end, and Irv Smith put together a really nice rookie season and made, in my mind, a very strong, very strong first impression as someone who can go down the field, who can run after catch, who can block, and who fits in that locker room. This is another part about Odell Beckham and the front office that you know, Mike Zimmer has had some reclamation projects in the past. Sheldon Richardson and prides was himself that. on that fact. He certainly does. That's what's interesting. Adam Pacman Jones yes. is one of them. Vontez Perfect is one of them. I was watching back Hard mm-hmm. Knocks, and he was very proud of Vontez Perfect at the time because no one had believed in him, and Zimmer had coached him up. But that's on defense for one. Sure. And the other part of it is uh, you usually have to see how someone might fit. So Sheldon Richardson had begun already the process of turning himself around and we should all be very happy for Sheldon Richardson. Honestly, I mean like he's really kept himself out of trouble and he had a kid and grew up and I had a really good conversation with him about that uh, in 2018. Odell Beckham just a few months ago is out there at 27 years old, acting like a 21 year old at the LSU uh, national championship game. And you can't really trust 
him off the field and then in the locker room, go around to the leaders in the locker room, the star players. Adam Thielen is an understated guy. Delvin Cook is very understated. Like He would, uh, I think, prefer not to have any attention on him, except for when he's doing things that you know are good for the community. He's really impressed in that area. Harrison Smith is the quietest guy you'll ever find. Intentionally talks too low for microphones to pick him up when you're talking to him. Uh, Daniil Hunter, we've just finally got Daniil Hunter to start like putting two sentences together when you talk about uh, talk to him at his locker and things like that. Like these guys, Eric Hendricks, Anthony Barr, they don't have players like this. So let me run this p- past you b- because I I think that these talks have occurred. I think the trade does not take place. But I think the report is accurate. And I think that the Vikings have talked to the Browns. I think Stefanski might have called them. So it could very well be Berea called Egan and said, hey, we're, we're uh, starting to shop Beckham, and here's what we're thinking. Yeah. yeah. Let, but let me run this past you as the theory that I've developed uh, since we started doing shows at 11 o'clock this morning, Matthew Collar. I think that this shows us more, just the talks, shows us more and more that our gut feeling that the Vikings are have people who are torn as far as direction for 2020 goes is accurate. Yes. Because what yeah. you because what yep. you said from let's say 2017 through 18 into 19 makes a ton of sense, right? Yep. These are our core beliefs. We have good guys. We don't take these chances. Here's what we do. Yeah. If there's no putting the pieces of the uh, 2020 offseason puzzle together so far and saying it makes sense. Right. And I think what we're seeing is people going into the, the last year of their contracts, semi panicked in salary cap hell, pulling apart as far as no, here's what we should do. No, 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 this yeah. is what we should do. Yep. So I think the Beckham, not the potential trade, just so much as the conversations to me start to give us a really clear picture of what might be sort of pulling apart and and if the word is dysfunction with this team as far as not really having a good idea where they're going in 2020. Right, and what you would be trying to do with a massive trade like this is push all your chips to the center of the table for 2020 and say, even though we're going to have to rebuild some parts of our defense, our offense is going to be great. And I know it sounds weird for me to be against this type of move when last year I was intrigued by the idea of Antonio Brown. Really thrown by this. Again, I'll just say this every single time. I didn't know all of the things that were going, and nobody did. Yeah. Nobody knew all sure. of the things that were going on behind the scenes, the lawsuits and the other type of stuff, yep. that he was legitimately having some huge problems. Did not know that. Just thought that his relationship with Roethlisberger had gotten to the point of being fractured and they couldn't really repair it, so it made a lot of sense. But, you know, if you're going to base your offense around Delvin Cook, you need the money to re-sign him, by the way. So that's a starting point. Uh, Christian McCaffrey set the bar pretty high, so you're, you can't do that contract, though, right? You're, you're. I mean, if you don't get someone else like Beckham, and even then, yeah, they're going to do it. I think they're going to think it's sixteen. Well, not that one. Okay, not that high Be, because McCaffrey is a different level of player. What's the price? What's I, the Dalvin Cook price? Do you I think? think if they're if both sides are being fair, which I have heard that there is some concern about this. But if both sides are being realistic and fair, mm-hmm. the market has been set by um, Christian McCaffrey at $16 million, and that's per year, which you can mess with a little bit. So the per year price is not really the price. 
But if you were somewhere in terms of per year around $12 million, and let's say you sign a five-year contract that you can get out of after three, that's pretty reasonable. Let's say his first year cap hit is something like six and a half to seven, and then it goes up to maybe 12 to 15, sort of in the same structure as someone like Stefan Diggs' contract for a few years ago. That is, for what Delvin Cook means to their offense, a fair deal. Is it risky? Yes, it is. But after already having Diggs leave and knowing that Kirk Cousins isn't a guy who throws your team on his back, it, 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 in, in my mind, you kind of are put in a position where you have to do it. If you give Cook that contract, do you then tell Coobs and the boys, okay, we're doing this, but, but we need to look at how McCaffrey is used in Carolina and do more of that? Because I do believe yes. That, yes. that the run first Mike philosophy on life doesn't work if you're paying Dalvin that much. I think you then have to line uh, Cook up in the slot at times, in the backfield, in motion. If you get creative with Dalvin Cook and he can uh, be durable enough to stay on the field consistently, I think you've got something. But if this is just going to be he's my running back and he's my bell cow at that price, that's way too much for me. Yeah, yeah, I get it. Um, I it, This one's hard because... In order to win, you need to have a certain amount of weapons around your quarterback. And if you are going to win with Kirk Cousins, you need even more. But even Patrick Mahomes, as great as Patrick Mahomes is, and he's got stuff that only Favre and Elway have ever had. Tyreek Hill is damn good. Sammy Watkins is their third sure. or fourth best weapon. That guy was the Hill fourth does special pick. things. Travis Kelsey does special yes. things. And then they drafted the other guy who runs super fast. And then there was one other guy who caught some passes for them, uh, Demarcus Robinson. So, like, they've had um, running backs kind of turn into good players out of the backfield, but just even people who he could throw to, there's a lot of them. So you can't take one away by not signing Delvin Cook. and Or even if you're trading Delvin Cook and trying to draft someone to replace him to come in right away and hope that that player is any shade of Delvin Cook, it's hard to do. And to your point, if you're going to do it, yes, he needs to catch 75 to 90 passes next season to be close to worth it. Yes. But can you make it work, especially when down the line the salary cap has a good chance of going up, though? I don't know how that's going to be affected if there's no fans in the stands this year. So these things are up in the air. Yes. But I don't. I have never thought it was a crazy idea to sign Delvin Cook if you're going to use him to the full extent of his passing ability. But we need to see that then. Yeah, we do. And, the, and to date, you got to sign him now, though, because he's not coming right, to but training. I, but I also don't. need, but I also then need need Mike and Gary to agree to that. I can't sign him. It, it's just like Barr. I think if you took Barr and said we are going to get creative as hell, we all might back up and say, "Oh, hold on a second here, right?" But Mike's been stubborn, and Mike's been like, "No, this is what Barr does, and this is what he does well." And we all say, "Yeah," but then it's not worth it, right? So, so I need to see. For the first time, some flexibility with individual people as far as saying, you guys are right. Jonathan just sent me a tweet. Daniil Hunter is now an insider? An NFL insider? I guess. Daniil Hunter went to LSU with Odell Beckham. And he says on a call with reporters, I've seen some recent stuff that everybody's talking about, and I know that definitely isn't true. So, oh yeah, NFL insider Daniil Hunter shoots it down. I didn't know he was talking to Rick. <laughs> he might be talking to Odell. I mean, I I know that they know each other because we talked about that it once. That is hilarious. Um, at his locker. But thanks, Daniil. NFL insider 
pouring ice cold water on uh, our rumors. So it, it so. goes Schefter, but, Glazer, Mortensen, Hunter. Why wouldn't Hunter be first? Good point. He's a player. Yeah, he's the most inside, right? Yeah. Um, he, is little, so, he is literally yeah. inside. From, from from the minute he that I source. from the minute that I saw it come up, I thought to myself, the odds of this seem very, very low. It just doesn't seem like a thing that this current administration would do. It seems like something that the last one would. <laughs> the, you know, like, yeah, but Rick, not, Rick's the common thread. Yeah, that's I don't true. put a thing past true. Rick because I'm the same guy to yeah. go back to 2010 that laughed at the Moss thing. I covered the team. I absolutely laughed. I'm like, yep. they're not going to get Randy Moss. Yeah. And they got Randy Moss. Yep. Rick, Rick and so so to what you're saying, I think you're right on Mike. I think. When it comes to Mike, I think what you're saying is right. The wild cards in this entire discussion that we don't know are Rick and the Wilfs. Right. And don't forget, the Wilfs are still massive Giants fans. And I know that Beckham was pain in the butt in New York, but he also made unbelievable catches for Big Blue. Yep. And guess who loves Big Blue? Ziggy Wilf. That is where you just can never put a finger on it, is what ownership wants. Yes. And if ownership has gotten extremely desperate for something like this, then they might want it. Especially just, especially if they're informing head coach and GM, boy, you still got one year left on your contract. This doesn't look so good. Yeah, I'll always say that you should never count out anything. With this team, yep. Because even at the NFL Combine, I asked Rick Spielman straight out, "Are you, you know, does Diggs want to trade?" And he wouldn't answer that. And he stood at the podium and said, "Like we're planning on having Diggs as part of our team." And then a couple weeks later, not even that long later, he's traded. And Percy the Harvin, Bills. the same thing. Yep. We have no intention of trading Percy Harvin, is what he said. <laughs> and in some ways, the more that you see people denying that something is going to happen, the more likely you think it could happen. Yes. Um, so we're going to keep talking about it. On the show, uh, as Ken Carmen is going to come on from 92.3, the fan in Cleveland in just a few minutes here. But I think that that's the bottom line is it's worth an eyeball emoji. It's worth paying a little bit of attention to, even if everybody's trying to shoot it down because it came from somewhere. Right. Like, I don't think that the guy in New York has any uh, skin in the game that would help his career at all for saying that someone who used to play for his team might be on the trade block and might have talked to the Vikings. And the thing that I would say is if they put out, let's say they put out an internal email or something, Cleveland or to all the other teams in the league, like, Hey, are you interested? Here's the price. Like, would you guys, you know, just we'll take offers for Beckham. He's on the block. I don't know. Maybe they have a specific like we do in our Stratomatic League, where you can send out, a, send out an auto an email. Odell auction? So we have an auto email button where you can just slide player names into the trade block and just push it. <laughs> so maybe they have that. Or maybe they need that. And so, oh, okay, Odell Beckham. And you make the phone call and you say, here's all we want to know is what would be the price? And they mm-hmm. say, we want a second and a fifth. Mm-hmm. You go, okay, all right, well. We'll think about it and we'll call you back. And then, you know, you hear later from somebody else who knows somebody else. Oh, okay. That's, you know, they had that conversation. You're having conversations like this all the time. Yes. You know, so um, anyway, it's fun for us because it's, uh, it's what we've been looking for here. There's been such sort of that's like, what a I was going to say, it's a pan- barren, it's a pandemic. What's there to talk about? Well, not just that. This is manna from heaven right now. Sports-wise. Stuff has to happen. Like, this team is not ready yet to play a game with their roster. Right. They have to add people. Well, and they know, can't just draft and be set. Do you know the, the amount of trade discussions and proposals that are probably occurring right now for every team? Oh, yeah. 
and and let's say 3% of them or less leak out. I'm not going to look at those and be like, oh, we can't talk about those because they probably aren't going to occur. No, if it gets out, it's interesting. It's intriguing. Right. So we will continue to discuss it with Ken Carmen, 923 The Fan. Judd, thank you for your recklessness. Thank you, sir. We'll be back here on Purple Daily. We know you're spending more time at home during the COVID-19 uh, pandemic, and we got your back. Join Score North three different ways while you stay at home. The free Score North app on your phone or tablet, scorenorth.com, or just by saying, Alexa, open Score North. Jonathan here with the Score North download. This download powered by Pod. MN, Minnesota sports fans, we know you're doing your best to stay home, and we're here for you at Score North through every step of the coronavirus pandemic. Got something to say about Minnesota sports? Want to tell us why we're wrong, perhaps? Leave us a mic drop message on the free Score North app. You may even hear yourself on Score North on AM 1500, scorenorth.com, or the free Score North mobile app. We will get you back to all the reckless speculation surrounding the Vikings and possibly trading for Odell Beckham Jr. in just a moment. But first, Kirk Cousins was on a Zoom conference call with Minnesota reporters yesterday and talked about what he thought of the Stefan Diggs trade saying. It, it became apparent that, you know, he, he wanted to play elsewhere. And I think it was smart of the Vikings to grant him that opportunity. I think it it wasn't a mystery. And that's okay. You know, I, I, I wish him really well. I, I just so enjoy playing with him. He's a special player. You know, we now have to find a way to move forward and, you know, replace that, if you will, uh, with a variety of players. But I, I, I think that uh, that'll be our challenge going forward is creating that talented, you know, option outside of, of Adam on the outside. And I think there'll be a variety of ways to do that. And I'm excited to kind of get started on that challenge. PodMN is the number one source for local and on-demand Minnesota audio. Discover hundreds of unique podcasts produced right here at home. Download the PodMN app on Apple or Google Play stores. That's been your Score North download. Now back to Purple Daily. Thank you, Jonathan. Back here on the show. Welcome in from Cleveland. 92.3 The Fan. Ken Carmen, my birthday bro on June 27th, if I remember correctly. Right, Ken? Yes. Yes. I, I, first off, I didn't even know because I was like, oh, my God, this is Matthew. And then I had to follow you back because I didn't – hell, I didn't even know you were working up in Minnesota <laughs> for like two months. Yeah, I know. And you've been up there for how long? How yeah. long have you been up there? Um, let's see, almost four years now. So that we wow. we yeah. met um, because I interviewed with your station and my old boss, Andy Roth, who decided yeah. to hire someone else. Right, like thanks, Andy. Um, but That's a bad call by him. I know, but everything everything worked out. I went to a sports city with no tragedies in sports or anything. It's just smooth sailing here, so it's been totally, totally different than it would have been if it was there, Ken. Hmm. That's well. That, yeah. I mean, <laughs> the whole the whole four Super Bowl thing is a little bit rough, but you know, other than that. Yeah, other yeah, other than all the Super Bowl losses and the NFC Championship losses and shanking oh, a kick yeah. wide left when you had you know fifteen oh, one record yeah. and you know well, uh, I'm sorry I forgot about all those boy the, I'm not getting off of the right foot with your the, listeners I apologize folks the uh, the Minnesota totally Twins forgot. losing every playoff game to the Yankees I mean yeah it, it goes on uh, how about the entire Minnesota Timberwolves organization um, so you know. Uh, but did you guys um, talk about did you guys talk about uh, Kevin Garnett and what he said about your owner? Uh, only a little bit, yeah. But we were not surprised considering oh, Garnett's boy. kind of been saying those things for a while, and so even the best player from the organization ever by about fifty miles hates us. Yeah. So, <laughs> did I tell you? Did I tell you? By the way, did I tell you my theory about that back in twenty ten? What's that? Because 
Kevin Durant was like openly asked about it, and then he's like, "No, I even talked to LeBron personally. I said LeBron should leave if he feels like it." <laughs> and I was like, "Man, that's that's hate for the owner right there. That's hate because we had always heard like eh, Dan Gilbert's a little tough to work for, things yeah. like that." And I go, "Oh, he asked the wrong guy. That guy, oh, because poor Kevin." I know, I I know it's I know that Minnesota fans have their side to it too. I'm sure, but boy, he seemed like he was he was locked in on that, and they were just going to be like, "Okay, come on out and see Kevin Garnett." It was like he was in a real life version of Space Jam. Like, it's like, <laughs> oh, well, we'll, we'll use him for gate, and that's the way it is. Oh, Ooh, yeah, boy. yeah. It's uh, it's really convoluted because he came back, and then there were supposedly promises made to him that weren't held up, yeah. and now he doesn't dislike Minnesota or the fans, which is not that comforting uh, since he hates the owner and says he'll never come back. So, like, all right, whatever, man. Uh, but more. Well, if he sells the team, if he sells, if, I'm telling you right now, if I'm if if I ever bought that team, if I were like a new owner of the Minnesota Timberwolves, first thing I'm doing is reaching out to Kevin. Oh, absolutely, let's, and I and I think the if they are ever sold, he'll be right back. I think it's a personal thing with him and Glenn Taylor, and nothing more than that. Mm-hmm. So you know, you wait long enough, then these things will sort themselves out. But more importantly, do you know who the best athlete born on our birthday is? Johnny Benson was a really good race car driver. Okay, maybe better than Jim Edmonds in terms of like the best athlete, but Jim Jim Edmonds some pretty good outfield catches there for us. And yeah, Mr. Marlin Jeff Conine. My favorite is Mr. Marlin Jeff Conine. I would I would rather go with with Mr. Marlin Jeff Conine. I know that Jim Edmonds is a little bit uh I know he's a little banged up right now because of the whole virus thing, but boy there's some uh there's some greasy stuff there in the background there with with Jim Edmonds. I don't know if I want to claim that guy. Yeah, okay, let's go with Mr. Marlin. All right. Well, let me ask you go. about Odell Beckham. I don't know when his birthday is, but uh he is uh, apparently on the block here and when a report comes from somebody who never reports anything then you always go all right where's this coming from is there any truth to it but i think the big question is uh would cleveland trade odell beckham if they have the opportunity if the right price came along yeah i think that anybody's i think that anybody's open with the exception of franchise quarterbacks certainly wide receivers you know, first off about Malusis, I, I, I've only met Mark a couple of times. I don't know him to be a liar. And I know that a lot of fans reacted negatively towards that. And yeah. I'll say that in the morning that, you know, just because the news is not what you want to hear doesn't mean that the guy giving you the news is a total liar and trying to get himself over in some sort of way. That's, that's not true. Mark Malusis, Mark Malusis has been a professional for a long time. I got nothing against that guy. And if somebody told him, I believe that it's probably happened. This, this is the thing with Odell is that I think Odell does like his teammates. He is good in the locker room. Uh, he does get along with a lot of people in the organization, and I think that he does try to be a really good person. I also think that he's also a bit immature. And I also know that he's very close with family members, and he's very close with his inner circle. And that inner circle does not want him in Cleveland. Yeah. Uh, I, I heard about those things during the season last year, and, and I wanted to not listen to him because I'm a big fan of Odell Beckham Jr., but I, I really felt that there was a lot of people that I was hearing that were saying, listen, man, there's there's people around him who do not want him there, and they're going to try to force his way out of there. And that's not even Odell. Those are the people around him. So I'm not surprised by this. I thought that during this time, I go, boy, we're not going to have sports for a while. This is right. It's going to happen. There's going to be talk about Odell. Uh, I didn't know it would happen this early. I thought it might happen after the draft. But uh, I'm not surprised, and I think that, the price is still too low. I wouldn't give up on him if I were the Browns because it's still a first-round pick. And I know that if he goes out there and he has a bad season, then I'm really not going to get any of my, my 
my recoup losses back, yep. but this is this is just the the point that I think about it. You gave up a ton for him. Uh, you got the guy. You're you're forty million dollars under the cap, so you're not strapped right now. If he goes out there and he has a hellacious season, that means that Baker's done better. That maybe means that you want to keep him because a, a, a good, strong statistical season by Odell. That if they can get that extra playoff spot now, that everybody's going to be able to, or that both conferences are going to get. Uh, that's going to mean a happy Odell. And if Odell goes out there in the playoffs in a, in a game and balls out, then it's going to make Browns fans happy. Even if they lose that game, it's going to make a lot of people happy. So that can change. I wouldn't give up on it because I think Kevin Stefanski is a better equipped coach than what Freddie Kitchens was. Yeah. And I'd like to see it work out. But, yeah, if I, if I were any one of these teams, I'd kick the tires on it. People talk all the time in the NFL. Everybody's up for grabs. Well, and that's why when the report comes out that I think, yeah, that wouldn't surprise me if the Vikings were calling on other wide receivers to see what the price is. And uh, he never claimed that it was about to happen in the next 20 minutes. He just said that that conversation had happened. And also, I love to mm-hmm. sit and watch and see how fast it is before the team tries to deny it publicly. And and the speed in which they attempted to deny it uh, made me think, okay, well, there's probably some truth to that conversation because they ran right out to say, no, 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 nothing's going on here, just like they did with Stefan Diggs. Oh, nothing's wrong. Mm-hmm. Nothing's wrong. We're definitely mm-hmm. keeping Stefan Diggs and not trading him. Uh, in terms mm-hmm. of Odell Beckham, the player, though, I mean, what's left there? Because there is 27 years old that's sort of young in the NFL and emerging still into your prime, and there's 27 years old of a body that's been through some stuff. And uh, a few years ago here, Ken, we got uh, the Vikings traded for uh, Michael Floyd. And we went, oh, the guy's like 28. He should be great. And his body was shot at that point. And Beckham Mm -hmm. has been through some injuries now. The fear with Odell is I think he got hurt when when he had a serious injury a few years ago. Uh, I think that that has messed with him a little bit. I think that's made him hesitant. Mm-hmm. I think that has it, it is. I, I'm no doctor here, and it's always my personal thought. But I think that it, that has made him very cognizant of his future, not just in football but after football. Mm-hmm. And I think that that has messed with his head a little bit. And uh, I, I think that he's dealing with some things about what is the difference between hurt and injured at times because. You know, we found out he was playing with this with this hernia throughout the year, and maybe he was banged up throughout the year. But man, we kept hearing about things. We kept hearing about things before the season, and he didn't want to talk to team doctors, and he didn't want to go to OTAs about that. And I go, well, yeah, because guys don't trust NFL doctors anymore. They don't. Yeah. They, they, I, they, never, they never really did, but they just went along with it back in the seventies, eighties, and nineties. Now they really don't trust him, and since they can afford it, they're going to have their own doctor look at it, and they're, they have because of the NFLPA, they have every right to do that. And so they exercise that right. And I think that that has made Odell a little nervous about NFL doctors. And I do think that because of some of the – Odell's not a problem where he gets arrested. I don't worry about Odell at night. But, you know, the stuff with, with LSU yeah. over, the, over the national championship game, it's like, man, Jarvis was at that game too. And, and no one no one knew about Jarvis. You know, there was a picture before them, but Odell really showed his ass in a lot of ways. It was really stupid. And I think that now with the NFL, you look across this league, there's more with quarterbacks. It, it fluctuates with other positions, but it's always going to be with quarterbacks. And I think a lot of these a lot of these general managers are going, why am I paying $17 million a year for a wide receiver when I can draft a guy in the second round, and if mm-hmm. I have a franchise quarterback, I'm gonna put that I'm gonna put that guy on the field, and all of a sudden that guy's gonna become a weapon, and I got a nice cheap asset for the next four years. And why am I gonna deal with a headache 
who complains, who has his friends complain in the media, yeah. who has his friends try to get arguments going with trading him. I don't think the general managers want to do that. And I do fear for Odell at 27 years old. I, I, I said this last year. I go, man, if this guy doesn't – if things don't start to go his way, if he gets traded again, he's out of this league sooner than he thinks. And I think that would be a shame. He has some of the best playmaking ability that I've ever seen. And I think it could be sooner than later when it comes to a guy like Odell. And everything that you said there just does not click with the Vikings organization. I mean, they have been willing to take some risks on some guys, like Sheldon Richardson had some problems early in his career. Delvin Cook had some in college. Um, but the rope was always extremely short because, you know, mm-hmm. uh, with Cook, it was like, all right, it's a second-round pick. If it doesn't work out, oh, well, that's a draft pick that didn't work out. It happens. And with yeah. Richardson, it was a one-year deal. So uh, looking at Beckham's contract if they were to trade for him it's essentially a one-year deal and then they could get out of it without dead money if they wanted to get rid of him do you think that there are so many problems there in terms of all that other noise that comes around with Beckham that other teams Vikings or anybody else are just going to say especially in a draft with so many great wide receivers uh this isn't really worth our time well this is what makes the Vikings situation special is that you have Zimmer which I'm from, uh, you know, listen, I'm a thousand miles away, so correct me if I'm wrong. It just seems that everybody and their brother is always talking about firing the guy. <laughs> I don't think yeah. the organization necessarily wants to fire the guy. They're expected to do great things in Minnesota. They've had a talented football team for quite a while, and it seems like maybe if I can guess that it feels to some of the fans like that window of opportunity is closing here yep. a little bit with Kirk yep. Cousins. Is yep. that true? Okay. Definitely. So they have to try to keep that window open, and they know they only have a short period of time that, that things might come to a loggerheads here pretty quickly. And so that's why Odell makes sense. Everything else of what you said, I think that's really, really true. I think there's a lot of things that teams just don't want to deal with. Because I've said it before a million times on air. I'm not taking anything less right now. I'm not taking anything less than a number than a first-round pick for Odell. I know I'm not getting a first-round pick for right. Odell. Yeah. So I know I don't have to worry about it. And the other, thing about the, uh, the other thing about the contract, I'll tell you this, Matthew, is that last year before the year, there was conversations about – Odell wants an extension. Odell wants his contract reworked. He wants to be the, the richest player in the NFL or the richest wide receiver in the NFL. And those conversations disappeared, and he went out and he had a not-so-great year, and that conversation went totally away. There is a thought for a lot of people around here that if he goes out there and he puts up a 1,300-yard season with 10 touchdowns or something like that and the Browns look really good, He's going to go, I ain't coming to camp next year. You're going to give me a contract, yep. which is mm-hmm. weird because he, he never missed time in New York. He did not miss any camp time in New York. He went to work. But there's a lot of people going, oh, boy, he's going to want to be paid, and that's it. So there will be people. I guarantee I'm going to wake up tomorrow and do the show, and there will be people going, nah, we got, we got, we got Jarvis. We can go get ourselves a, a wide receiver in the draft. We got this and that. We'll be fine without Odell. I guarantee there will be people like that because they're trying to get ahead of the curve because they know that he has a good year. He's going to get paid again. Yeah, this this is a situation that sort of screams, I'm not sure how much better it's going to get, but his raw mm-hmm. talent is so exciting that the Vikings, like you mentioned, it, it, there's always a ton of pressure when you set expectations so high. When you go to yes. an NFC championship and fall short the next two years, then the ownership is saying, hey, uh, when are you guys going to get back there? And the Vikings have just lost half of their defense. So, you know, that's kind of the feeling that um, they could do something big and they could do something risky so but trying to figure out the timeline with this team is tough though ken because it makes so much sense to take a step back 
in order to take a step forward, you know, one step back, two steps forward, like in the draft and getting rid of some of the bigger contracts and things like that. But then they sign Cousins to an extension, which more says, okay, now we're trying to win now again. We're not rebuilding this thing. And so we've been trying to figure this out. And at least if a move like this happened, it would be, all right, you're pushing all your chips to the middle of the table. But that's not that different from Cleveland, who in the hiring of Kevin Stefanski wants to now be a winner too. And, you know, even if he's a pain in the butt, subtracting talent from your quarterback that you want to see if he can really do it seems a little bit weird to me as well. I can I compare I compare Odell I don't know if it'll resonate with Minnesota fans. I compare Odell to J.R. Smith. And the reason is is because I think he's a barometer for the team. If Odell's in a bad mood, you know that the team's not doing well. If Odell's mm-hmm. in a great mood, that you know that that team is doing very well. Oh, J.R. was the same way with the Cleveland Cavaliers. He is that guy. And if he he is the type of wide receiver that he he'll take souls away. He will he will make plays that will inspire your quarterback. Mm-hmm. He will make plays that will, will light a fuse with your offense and light a fuse with your entire football team. And again, I, I'm not going to say he's a bad teammate. He is actually a really good teammate. So many people can't believe that. He's a really good teammate. His teammates do love him. They loved him in New York, and they love him here in Cleveland. Uh, I think some of the front offices have been obviously willing to rip their hair out because of Odell, but his teammates love him. And he's the type of guy who can destroy a defense because – He'll make a play, and it just feels like they can't stop him, and he'll demoralize the team, and he'll beat them. Mm-hmm. But it, it's been few and far between over the last, really, three years. I think that the frustration and the criticism that he had when they went down to Miami and got on that boat trip when they had that bye week going into the playoffs, <laughs> yes. and he went out there and had, like, what, one catch for seven yards, yep. and they got beat. I think that that has stuck with him over that time, and it seems that the, the harder he tries the tougher he makes things for himself. And, again, he's still a bit immature, and I think that that really bothers him. And I, I wonder if Odell at 32 years old would be a fine wine type of guy, but I don't think that he'll be able to get to 32 years old at this rate. I think that he could be a guy who maybe gets traded this off season or gets traded next off season, And if it's to the wrong situation, maybe a year, maybe two, he'd be 29, 30, and that might be it. Well, we'll He's see. At a crossroads um, right now. We'll see if anything comes of it, Ken. Before I let you go, uh, you got to mm-hmm. help me out a little bit. I'm going to be on your station tonight, mock drafting for an hour, and I, I'm afraid of what could happen if I get it wrong with the we Browns. Got you on so. For an hour? Yeah, that's what I'm, I'm doing. The whole mock. I was like, yeah. So first, our friend Andy Roth doesn't hire me years ago. Now he wants me to give him a free hour. It's wow. unbelievable. It's a one-sided relationship. Wow. It's unbelievable. Um, so. <laughs> <laughs> I'm going to send him the audio of this, by the way. So, uh, who, yeah. who am I picking for the Browns? Why are you picking for the Browns? I'm picking everybody. Picking for Minnesota? I'm doing everybody. I'm like, I'm taking Burrow number one, and then I'm doing the whole thing. Really? Again, for free. Yeah, this is really happening. Okay. Well, 7 o'clock Eastern, I think. Yeah, like I, I know. Uh, it's awful. All right, well, but, but in these the Browns, times, you just got to do whatever you well, you're asked to do. Well, right? Take me through. Do you do you got your first nine? No. <laughs> oh, I, well, I mean, I haven't started it yet. I, I was going to get it together after the show. But I mean, what what am I targeting here? Am I targeting an offensive lineman? Isn't yeah, your you isn't your left tackle in, isn't your left tackle in jail in Mexico or something? Yeah, he's in prison. He's El Chapo. <laughs> um, 
Well, no, I mean, he's technically in a holding cell. I can't say he's in prison. You know, he's going to have his day in court. Yeah. That's a shame, man. Greg's a good guy. And then I heard about that, and I go, well, he's not that good of a guy, yeah. but he was always really nice to me. But uh, <laughs> regardless of that, <laughs> yeah, I mean, you think you know a guy. All we do is interview these guys. We're like, oh, he's a really great guy. You don't know him personally. What the hell am I saying? Okay, uh, I'll tell you this. If you don't take an offensive lineman, you're going to be cussed out. However, I've been saying this for the last months. If Isaiah Simmons is there, I don't, I don't care what any of you mm. said. It's double birds to anybody on Twitter or anybody on the phones. I'm taking Isaiah Simmons. Yeah. He'd be the best linebacker they've had since Clay Matthews. And he stopped playing for the Browns in like 91, 92. So I don't want to hear any of that. It's been a long – they haven't had a good linebacker in forever. That guy can do anything. I would pick him at number 10, and mm-hmm. then maybe I'd trade back into the first round and, and maybe try to get Ezra Cleveland at the back end of that first round. Because people just go, this is what fans do all the time, and we're, we're guilty of it as well. We're fans too. Is they go, well, it's a deep draft for offensive linemen, so you can just take any one of those six guys. <laughs> That's not how it works. No, you know really. damn well. Fans know very well that two of those guys are going to be all pro. Two of those guys are going to be nice players maybe or journeymen, and the other two are going to be garbage. Yep. And yep. we've done that before, and, boy, with the Browns, we just seem to take garbage. So <laughs> that is not an answer by any sort of a fan. Any sort of a fan who does that, no, 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 no. This is 10 overall. Teams can't do that. They get fired. I need a name. You give me a name, not a position. Yeah, I did think Courtney Brown was going to make it, but, you know, sometimes the draft, I, man. I'll never, never forget this. I'll tell you this, and I know you're trying to get off the phone. We had, when they drafted Cam Irving, who plays for Kansas City now, and he's a swing tackle yeah, for them, yep. he came in. I met him when his family came in. I recorded an interview, and he, he was in the facility. His whole family was there. He's from Moultrie, Georgia. This is, this is the pinnacle of everything. He was the nicest kid I've ever seen in my entire life. I loved him so much. He was so nice. His family was so nice. The Haslam's are in there. They're so happy to have him. He goes to the Indians game. He looks at the person with the Cleveland Indians because he's throwing out the first pitch that night. He goes, this is the greatest day of my life. You guys need to understand this. This is the greatest day of my life. And halfway through that year, he wouldn't talk to anybody. He's depressed. <laughs> yeah. He's upset. Yep. The, the, old Browns football, I hate to say it, can rob your soul, man. And I saw, I saw the light go out of that poor kid's eyes, and I felt terrible about it. So you can't just say draft any lineman. It's got to be the right guy. Yeah. No, it, that exact same thing happened here with a guy they drafted in the fourth round, TJ Clemmings, where he was really athletic and a super, super nice guy. And by about midway through the season, they, he got thrown in to start prematurely and he just got smoked and he was he would stand sort of outside of the shower and peek over to see if the media had left yet so he wouldn't have to talk and uh he he was getting cussed out every day in practice and everything else so yeah it's a it's it's a hard game and you can never really project it but you know maybe i'll troll your guys later tonight and draft a uh tight end or something just to draft a wide receiver draft a wide receiver They'll, they'll break the stay-at-home order and then about the studios, pitchforks and fire and all that stuff. <laughs> That's perfect. I'll say, look, if you're trading Odell Beckham, you're going to need Denzel Mims or something. So, all right, well, that's great, Ken. Uh, on June 27th, if it's not a weekend, you're coming back, and we're going to celebrate our birthdays on the show. All right, that sounds fine with me. I'm good with that. All right, man, great great to have you, great to catch up, and uh, give Andy a hard time for me. I will. Thank you. Thank you very much, brother. I'll talk to you again soon. Yeah, for sure. Ken Carmen there. He does mornings on 92.3 The Fan and is my birthday bro. Uh, do you know who yours are, Jonathan? Uh, Anderson Cooper and Rafael Nadal. Oh, Nadal. That's a good, that's yeah. a good one. Uh, I have Helen Keller 
I don't think people realize how great Helen Keller was. So right. I feel like that should be my thing. Is like every June twenty seventh, I put together a very long thread about <laughs> she wasn't just the blind and deaf person. Okay, she did a lot. All right, that's what I should be doing. Um, I should stand up for my birthday, bro, Helen Keller. That's a good sentence then the show on. Yeah. Well, uh, fascinating stuff there from Ken Carmen on Odell Beckham. But I mean, do you listen to him talk, Jonathan, and say, can't wait to get Odell Beckham? It all, <laughs> no, it makes me concerned. Right. It, it, it says, uh, I hope that it is fake for them because it just screams this isn't going to work out. You know, if you trade for Odell Beckham, that uh, not only old 27 in terms of his body with injuries, mm-hmm. But it sounds like mentally, yeah. yeah that, that Ken really weighed that, uh, laid that out well. That there's a lot that's been weighing on him for mm-hmm. a long time, and maybe it's not just his uh, urge for attention and things like that, but also maybe I don't know insecurity and frustration and things like that. That just it was interesting to hear him say that he's not bad in the locker room and that his teammates appreciate him. But the other elements of Odell Beckham would make me say, you know, why don't you just draft a receiver if you are looking desperately for Stephon Diggs' replacement? So, all right. Well, thanks to uh, WFAN in New York for some fun, reckless speculation today. Tomorrow, we'll have uh, Courtney and I, and we are going to draft Sim our faces off tomorrow on the show. So, Mackie and Judd with Rami coming up next here on Purple Daily. All right, on Score North. Sorry. With winter weather making it harder to stay active, here's a gift idea for the outdoor adventurer in your life. The Allbirds Mizzle Collection. The Allbirds Mizzle is designed for those who won't take snow for an answer, featuring built-in puddle guard technology to keep the winter wonderland where it belongs, not in your shoe. The weather-ready sole offers enhanced traction, so you go on winter runs with confidence. And it's made with premium ZQ Merino wool, a naturally insulating material that keeps your feet warm and sports a low environmental impact. Allbirds displays their carbon footprint right on the shoe, so you can see the difference for yourself. On top of that, they actually offset the carbon footprint to zero, making their missile collection completely carbon neutral. So you can stay warm and dry while trading lighter. This holiday season, get on their nice list when you shop the Allbirds Mizzle Collection. Discover your perfect pair at Allbirds.com. That's A-L-L-B-I-R-D-S dot com.